We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Feel like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Moore NBA podcast brought to you by zonecoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. All of our takes, Charlie, and information about the offseason is about to get real irrelevant in like 48 hours. So we're going to do it again one more time. All everything offseason, laying out different, looking at it position by position, going down different paths the Wolves can kind of take. And I think. And having had a little bit more time post-draft to look at what I deem the needs of this team are, uh, yeah, I, I have a better idea of of what I think the paths they might take will be. Um, well, well, there's finally like uh, some structure after the draft. Yeah, right. They made a trade, and now it kind of made it more clear what their needs were going to be. And also, this is just such a fun part of the year, especially – now that the Golden State Warriors might not be mm-hmm. like the unabashed Goliath of the league, it's like you have more hope. Even a team like the Timberwolves, who who maybe that hope means like you top out at a six seed, but sure. at least you're not like certain to get stomped in the first round. Like there's just feels like there's a little bit more parity, and that makes this more fun. And it's just the roster feels like a blank canvas right now. The like pieces that we thought, you know, before Gerson Rosas were like definite parts of the future, like Dario Saric, saying, well, no, like, we'll get rid of that to move up five picks. Like, it kind of tips your hand that, like, nobody's safe, Mm -hmm. which is if if you're of the mind where you want to see the Wolves kind of shake it up and do things different, like – yeah, man, June 30th can't come soon enough. It's what what's going to happen. Like, even Robert Covington, like, I, I hope he doesn't, but, like, he could get traded. Totally. Totally not out of the conversation. And, I mean, it's everybody but Cat. Like, there's so many different – 
so many different ways they could go. But the the most pop popular one, and I think worth laying all the way out before the moratorium kicks in on June 30th is D'Angelo Russell. And just describing if this happens, well, I just want to talk about how I don't think it's ridiculous at all. And I'm, I'm hearing people all over the place saying like, oh, like D'Angelo Russell, it's like, yeah, they're trying, but it's a pipe dream. And I'm like, no, like it's not that complicated. Well, no, it's complicated, but it's not, <laughs> it's not like out of the question. I, I, I see it really simply as three things have to happen. The Brooklyn Nets need to have two max contract players commit to their team, which makes them be like, yep, sorry, D'Lo, you got to go. Secondly, Russell needs needs to find a team in the league who is willing to take him on at a contract that he's willing to sign for. Let's call it the max just for the sake of this podcast. Mm -hmm. Not every team in the league is going to do that, and he's not going to have interest in every team that that wants to sign him. I think the Wolves totally fit in that bin. I think they're willing to they're willing to pay him and he's has I would assume has some level of interest going there. So box 1 is checked. I think they're going to get two max guys or it seems reasonable that that happens. I think it's reasonable that Delo has the desire to come here and that the Wolves will pay him. Mm -hmm. The third box is compensation. And 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 how you how you line that all up and that's like a box in and of itself that has like two bullet points. It's it's Brooklyn. What do you gotta What do you gotta pay Brooklyn to facilitate the trade? Yep. And this is the simpler element of, of the deal. Like they've already moved on from Russell. They don't want him at a max contract. So it's not this big. It's not this big asset that they that they have. They're like, pay us something for facilitating a deal. That's what signing trades are. They're, we've talked about this before. The Danilo Gallinari signing trade. Denver got a second round pick, for as a kickback for making it happen. That's not because that's what Dylan Gallinari is worth. It's because he's signing for his market value on the open market, and it, it's a kickback. It's a facilitation fee. I think with the Wolves, that range is somewhere between a second-round pick and a future, it's called lottery-protected first, somewhere in that range. That's what you got to play Brooklyn to do it. And then the second part of the deal is the Wolves got to get off money to do so. They don't need to dip all the way under the salary cap. That's what they would need to do. They need to get 27.3 under the salary cap to sign him outright. But that's not what happens in the sign and trade. All they need to do is send out X amount of dollars times 125, 125%. That equals D'Angelo Russell's sal salary. If it's a max, that's $27.3 million. So for the Wolves, they need to send out 21.8. Because Russell's max is $27 million. Yes. Yep. And it's actually pretty easy for the Wolves to get to 21.8 of not that negative of salaries. Jeff Teague, 19. Kata Bates Dioff, 1.4. Guaranteed Cam Reynolds' contract, 1.4. Boom, we're at 21.8. Like, like on the dot. On right? the dot. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> it's kind of good that <laughs> shout out Scott Layden, given that Cam Reynolds deal. True. That, that, was, a, that was a good signing. Um, but then you got to figure out what that compensation is. Who is going to be the third team that's going to take on that 21.8? Without sending money back. Into cap Without, space. So a team sending into cap space. The team I'm I'm thinking of because I think they've completely the cards have not fallen in their favor with this offseason is the New York Knicks. I could totally see Jeff Teague being the starting point guard for the New York Knicks next year. Mm -hmm. So Teague, KBD, Cam Reynolds, go to the Knicks, and then I would guess you have to attach a first round pick to that. That might even be that might be plenty. So all in all, two signed D'Angelo Russell, 
you would be getting Russell on a max contract, and you would be giving up a future first round pick to the Nets at most, mm-hmm. and you would be giving up Jeff Teague, KBD, Cam Reynolds, and a future first. Is that fair? A good idea. Yeah, I think it's a good idea in general. I'm not to, almost to take like D'Angelo Russell's game out of it. I'm not like the hugest fan of his game, but I think that almost like to to put myself in in Gerson Rosas's shoes when you have the opportunity to get a player with that talent, you just kind of got to go do it because it's really really hard to do it otherwise if you're not going to do it via trade or through the draft. Um, I think it's realistic, like you're, uh, as you lay it out. I think about it from the Knicks' vantage point, man, because it is if you strike out. If you're the Knicks or if you're the Clippers and you just totally strike out in free agency and you want to keep the powder dry for next season, and you look and you go, okay, what you know, what should we do this year to be competitive but make sure that we don't lock ourselves up for the future? And if you're going to get Kate Bates, Diap, Cam Reynolds, and a first to take back a pretty good point guard, like that's a nice deal. Now it has to be the perfect team. There aren't like that many Knicks and Clippers. But if you, but if, if, if things work out that way with free agency and where these stars end up going, then yeah, I don't see why it's like this totally impossible thing. That's what I'm saying. I mean, if you look at those two things in their own silo, like for the Knicks, that's a good deal. Yep. It's a good deal for the Knicks. And if you're the Nets and you've, you've, you've already like, yeah, we nailed our offseason. We got Kyrie and KD, or mm-hmm. whoever the two guys are. And we get a future first for letting go of Russell, who we aren't. Or even a second. Yeah. Even a second. Like, that's a win for them, too. So the, the difficulty of the trade is not that it's this ridiculous price you have to pay. It's that all of those things need to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it starts at the top with the the Kyrie and KD thing has to happen, where mm-hmm. two guys need to go to Brooklyn. People seem pretty set on Kyrie going there. I agree. That seems to make sense. I don't know if the second one happens or not. Like, that has to happen. Russell actually has to illustrate that he has real interest in the Timberwolves and will because he has to agree yeah. to, to, go, to sign the contract that is a sign-and-trade contract. Not only does he have to have interest in coming to the Wolves, they have to be his preferred destination. Because if mm-hmm. if he would rather go to the LA Lakers, mm-hmm. as it's been reported that he's, he says no, he's going to meet with them. If he said he has to say no to them, he has to say no to the Phoenix Suns. The Wolves have to be his number one choice, mm-hmm. not just. And that's a that's a, a hold place. up. Yep, that's a hold up. Kyrie KD hold up. That's a hold up. And deeming if that compensation between one and two future picks, that's another hold up. But none of those all, t- I mean, the individually are not re- preposterous ideas. Yeah, even if they all, all three of those things have a, call it a 50% chance of happening, then you got a 12.5% chance of all of them happening. And yeah. 10% chance is pretty good in this league. I, I just think people are thinking of it in the sense that, okay, well, how the heck are the Wolves going to get D'Angelo Russell? They don't have any cap space. And his cap number, if it's a max, would be 27.3. So, so they're like, how do we carve out that space? And you're right. That is close to impossible because you're, they're 6.3 over right now. And if you have to create another 27.3 under to get him in, then, I mean, that's tough because you got to be giving up. You need, would need to be dumping somewhere two of Wiggins, Teague, and Jang. And also, which I think is an underrated element of it, you need to renounce all of your other free agents, mm-hmm. including Tyus Jones, who I think has a chance of coming back, including Taj Gibson, including Luol Deng, including Anthony Tolliver, 
that that's just like another like small little thing. Like that doesn't happen. You don't have to do that in the sign and trade possibility. So I I think it's just take out that 33.6 path out of your mind. Like I would be shocked. Yeah. If that if that's how they do it. But I think it's born out of the the difficulty of that situation that people are like, well, I don't know how the heck are how the heck are they gonna do it? Well, how the heck they're gonna do it is they're gonna do a sign and trade and it's gonna be <laughs> Jeff Teague and another couple million dollars of salary fodder. Yeah. And when that's how they would do it. I'm not saying it's twelve and a half percent sure. Like I, well, yeah. I agree with that. Like I mean it's it's still somewhere in that range, but it's not it's it's not this mountain to climb. And that's what when Zach Lowe is on his podcast and he says that Gerson Rosas is communicating the, to the league that he sees a pathway to the Wolves landing D'Angelo Russell. Like, that's it. He looks at those three things and goes, okay, you know, not certainties, but all doable, all mm-hmm. possible. And if I can make all three of them happen, then I've cleared that pathway to D'Angelo Russell. And uh, <clears throat> you don't think that there's any, like, backup option of that magnitude out there, do you? What do you mean? Like, is there another sign-and-trade guy out there or another? I, the Rosas keeps referring to it as high-end talent, high-leverage mm-hmm. talent, mm-hmm. that that's the ones they would go after. Obviously, there's, like, the Jimmy Butler is a report of, you know, the Rockets are going to try and do a sign-and-trade for him. I think we can check that one off. It's not happening Yeah, <laughs> in, in Minnesota. Like, Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, Boogie Cousins might go back to the game. Loves Ryan but, Saunders. Yeah. <laughs> Gave him wine. Um there, there's no – I guess what I'm saying is is the offseason, D'Angelo Russell, and then if it's not D'Angelo Russell, do you see any other moves bigger than a $9 million mid-level exception move happening? Not that immediately jump into my mind. Again, I think what's um, inspiring about this new regime is that they'll explore all the opportunities that I can't even imagine. Yeah, but uh, nothing really jumps into my mind except for – Bradley Beal, who both seems too expensive, and mm-hmm. the Wizards seem to have communicated that he's they're not going to trade him. But that's the other one that jumps into my mind. I think D'Angelo Russell just appears to be kind of this like perfect storm. Well, and you would need to compensate Washington a lot more oh, than yeah. what you would need to pay. I mean, this is a in a way a perfect storm of the sign and trade situation with Russell, where he's a free agent and there's this loophole-ish sort of thing in the CBA where you can do a sign and trade if the team doesn't want to bring him back, mm-hmm. which just so happens to be Brooklyn's scenario mm-hmm. with KD and Kyrie. And that's really the only way that a team that's over the salary cap can get a maximum player like it's this. It's the only way that Houston, it's the only path Houston has yep, to getting exactly. Jimmy Butler. It's, I mean, like we can kind of go down the list. Like that's that's just how it works. And it's rare because it's it's difficult to facilitate the money and it's, it's rare that there would be a situation where a player who's 23 years old who just made the all-star team that his incumbent team does might not have an interest in resigning him. Yeah, how about that? That doesn't come around very often. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I just think it's pe- people threw around the whole like, oh, the Roses' front office has brought in the salary cap machine guy and uh, someone who will thoroughly explore all the loopholes. We're like, boom, here's your loophole. Like, <laughs> this is this is a path. Things out of their control have to happen. But I think that's what they're saying. That's what they're quote unquote communicating to the league is yep. like, yeah, if if the first two dominoes fall, like we're there ready mm-hmm. for domino three. And it we've 
I've said this before. It's like the, the James Harden deal to Houston in the first place with Oklahoma City. Like he, it, it came to this point where Oklahoma City wasn't going to bring him back because in a similar sort of fashion, they had to, they were going to pay two other stars, ironically, KD and uh, Russell Westbrook in that situation. They were like, this is just kind of the shrapnel of, of this move. And Houston, where Gerson Russell, this was working, was waiting there and be like, hey, yeah, James, we have a, we have a max contract for you. We'll, we'll do that. Yeah, and that's what we're seeing now in Minnesota, basically the same thing. Um, do you think that, like I do, if it's with the Timberwolves, it's a four-year max contract? Or do you have hopes that it, it could be less than that? I think because we talked about part of it is alluring, yeah, exactly. Russell to come. I don't. I don't think his fair value contract is a max deal. And the and the for context, with the max deal he can sign is a a four year one hundred seventeen million dollar contract. He can't get the five year deal if it's a sign and trade. It's four one seventeen. It's twenty nine point three million dollars annually, starting at twenty seven point three. I think that's a lot for D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. I'm more of the mind that it's somewhere like 22 to 25, maybe 20 is that. But that's the that's the little extra you're paying to yeah. be able to have pulled this rabbit out of a hat of yeah. like. So, I, I mean, I get it. I do think it's important to note that, OK, if you make that deal we just laid out happen for Jeff Teague and you haven't traded Andrew Wiggins, you now have you now have Andrew Wiggins on the books on a max contract for four more years. You have Cat on a max contract for five more years, and you'd have D'Angelo Russell on a max contract for four more years, all starting at twenty-seven point twenty-seven million dollars. Yeah. They would those three would make eighty-two million dollars this season, mm-hmm. just the three of them, and that's you know that's a lot. That's a big bet that that D'Lo and Cat are an awesome one-two punch. Well, and that probably raises the onus even higher than where it is at today to to trade Andrew Wiggins because you'd look at that and go, oh, God, we, we need that space to add defense and to add shooting or whatever it is. But if you've given up a, a first to, let's call it, the Knicks to get off of Jeff Teague and you've given up a second to the Nets, like you're starting to become starved on assets. I, I agree, and I think that's the, the other side of this. It's just like... I mean, it's like, okay, like D'Angelo Russell deal, like, you know, you, you make that move and you figure it out later. Well, the later of it is that now, as I'm assuming it's coming eventually, a serious conversation about trading Andrew Wiggins, in that later, now you have one or two less first-round picks to be able to to rid yourself of that deal. Like, that, that is the, that's the downside, as is his contract being very... Expensive. I mean, it's a max. Yeah, it's a max deal. Well, and I assume that serious, serious conversations about trading Wiggins have been going on for a while. I mean, at least with this new regime. But I think that what that does is kind of like what Britt Robson has been writing about, or at least he wrote about in his most recent piece. What that makes you do, I think, is go from having a serious conversation about trading Wiggins and being willing to do what it takes to just saying, "Okay, we got to do it. We got to swallow this poison and give Mm -hmm. up these assets and just." hope basically Mm -hmm. that we can make it work still because with Andrew Wiggins, that's a really, really tight squeeze. Right. I, I do feel like objective number one in their minds right now is to, is to figure out Russell. And then if that doesn't happen to, you know, to kind of figure out the rest of the rounding out the roster. Like I, 
don't think An- Andrew Wiggins' trade is immediately on their mind. I think they'll be like, okay, let's put together the team of Cat, Russell, and Wiggins first, and then trade Andrew like later down yeah. the road. I don't. <clears throat> it would just be a lot if they if they made this move, trading assets for Russell, and they were like, um, I don't know, Phoenix or whoever, like. Also, we'd like to dump Andrew. That'd, like, be, that'd be aggressive. <laughs> that would be aggressive. That would be extremely aggressive. And I mean, obviously, there's an argument to be made for that. Probably a lot of people on here are like, sure. Yeah. Like, good. Don't have them. Like, but to your point, Dane, like doing them sequentially, just saying, okay, we're going to go get D'Angelo Russell and then we'll figure it out later, would almost be a larger scale version of, of what, from my vantage point, they did on draft night, where they said, we really like Darius Garland and Jarrett Culver, and we're going to move up to get one of those two guys because we think that they have star potential. And we're willing to give up Dario Saric, a productive player who would undoubtedly help us win next year as a sacrifice in the process, and we'll figure it out afterwards how to, how to replace Dario Saric and how to fill out this roster. But right now the priority is, is moving up to get this person that has upside that has more upside than Dario Saric. Okay. So, and I was having this conversation with someone before this. So what we uh, understand draft night to be is that the wolves traded up to six. Well, they wanted to get to four because then they had like the sure thing of getting Garland, Mm -hmm. but they got up to six because the price was much more reasonable and they did not know who would be there at six. So they made the move without knowing what was going to be there. So if you <clears throat> extrapolate that line of thinking to the offseason, does Gerson Rosas make a Jeff Teague, Gorgie Jang, or Andrew Wiggins trade on July 1st, hoping that something else is going to happen? Like, that would be the line of thinking there, but I would, I don't believe that's what his his thinking would. But you know what I'm kind of saying? Totally. Like no, that's, I think that's a really interesting parallel. I still come back to if Jeff Teague's going to be dumped, it's going. It's not going to be on July first. It's going to be a, to a team who who tried to hit a home run. Unless and, you and know, didn't. unless the D'Angelo Russell thing is there, July first. Yeah, like, bang bang, let's do it. Correct. Yeah, but, but he's if, not going to just get dumped somewhere. I, I would be shocked if he was dumped with, in, without an um, almost immediate corresponding move of like, now we can do this. Yeah, it'd be surprising. I agree. It if there isn't Russell though. And you do just dump Jeff Teague. Let's also just put him to the Knicks in this scenario. And Russell doesn't happen. He agrees to sign with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. You could dump Teague and then be $13 million under the cap mm-hmm. going into all this, which is not nothing. No. You know, I mean, that would open up because then you got $13 million to spend on well, free now, agents. Yeah, now you're you're way more squarely in the Patrick Beverly conversation. Yep. Whereas with the mid-level, you're going, uh, we're going to have to offer, you know, three or four years and really just hope that he wants to come. But if we can offer you 13 million bucks, like that's a big difference. Right. Well, and then you could offer that 13 and you could give the mid-level exactly. to Michael Green or whatever. Yep. Like, so and I don't know. I, I think, I think Russell is objective number one, or I'm just going to guess that's objective number one of it. And you don't, you don't make any moves until you know you got Russell name ready to sign on the paper and Brooklyn being like, yes, it's going to be two second round picks we require from you or whatever that is. Yep. Like you don't make the Teague dump until then. Yeah. Obviously they need to all be together, but I don't know. I think some other people might just see, oh, wait, they're going to be aggressive. Yeah. And I, that's another, it's just really interesting to follow NBA reporting in, in the, 
tampering age where it's like it's assumed that all this stuff is like being close to agreed to right now or at least discussed right now where like Kyrie yeah. to Brooklyn Kemba to Boston like yeah you're starting to see like some people like predicting D'Angelo Russell to the Wolves or even that it's still like at the at the front of that conversation right. the Timberwolves are it just in my mind, it at least means something. Like, if D'Angelo Russell had communicated through quote-unquote back channels to Kat or to Gerson Rosas that, no, I am not interested. I'm going to get an offer from the Lakers. If I just want the max, I'll go to, you know, wherever. He just communicates that he's not interested. I have a hard time believing that, like, the wind is still in the sails of this rumor. You know what I mean? Or, conspiracy theory... They were just months ago when that dropped in the not months ago, weeks ago in that Shams report that the mm-hmm. Wolves are interested in them. The Wolves were like, "Well, yeah, let's put that out there. Like, <laughs> we're interested in D'Angelo. There's no downside to saying you're interested Mm-mm. in D'Angelo Russell, especially right? when Cat's your best player and they're Be- good buddies. <clears throat> because in that scenario, you, he's a free agent who you don't have cap space for. So all you're basically saying there is we have interest in doing the seemingly impossible, and fans are going to be like. Hell yeah. yeah. Love the impossible. Like this, let's let's do it. Like it it could have been this whole thing where they're like, well, we think it's a really small chance, but like maybe a million things fall in place for us. And they just like put that out there. Yeah. And then the wind just started blowing by the media. And they were like, <laughs> And now we're wasting our time here. And Dan. now we've like been talking about <laughs> D'Angelo Russell for 25 but like, minutes. And I like that conspiracy theory. I just think there's more to it. Like you wouldn't have I do too. I'm people reporting on their interests, like Wolves people, and then like national media, like like, I don't think Lowe says that on his podcast. He's very aware of the way that he's aggregated. I think he says things purposefully, meaningfully. Right. But, yeah. No, I, I, I do too. I'm, I'm highlighting the other side, but it really could just... Yeah. It really could just be he's talked to other people around the league mm-hmm. about how they're like, yeah, well, we, we've heard... Like, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly how the inner workings of all those conversations between league executives on different teams go and then are filtered down to like the top tier media talent. Yeah. Like low and then obviously the Woges and shams and stuff like that. But like it could all really just, I mean, this could all be much ado about nothing. Absolutely. I mean, to your point, it could, Rosas has been very open about the fact that he wants to knock on every door and pursue every opportunity possible. But to, if I hired to get you to be the Phoenix player. Suns as GM, what would you say? You no, but that's no. no. I'm agreeing with you right now. Yeah. Uh, Rosas is he's saying I'm this person who's going to knock on every door. So when the D'Angelo, you know, Russell rumor mill starts going, he's like, well, we got to get our name in there because mm-hmm. that's my mo. Is I knock on every door? I, I yeah. swing for the fences no matter what. So I better make sure. I'm associated with this 23-year-old all-star point guard. No, I, and maybe that's just right. it. For the record, but, I, th- I think you'd be a better GM than James Jones in Phoenix. So. Yeah? Well, thank you. What, have you been watching what Phoenix Yes, is? yes, yes. Um, okay, do we feel like this is our last chance to talk about D'Angelo Russell before he's either not on the Timberwolves or he is on the Timberwolves? <laughs> I think. No, I think I think we... You think it trickles out till next week? Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying, no, I don't have anything else to say. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Well, it that, could. That's a weird part about free agency, I mean, too, though. It's like when, what if KD when's this stuff going to start happening? If KD doesn't make his decision until, you know, July 5th, then, like, how does that impact the way the Nets view all this and the way D'Angelo Russell views all this? That's that's the ripple. That's yep. the ripple of all this stuff is there's the moratorium, I guess, for people who don't know, is it's it's literally the NBA cuts out six days in the middle of one league year ending before another league year beginning 
where people can just, there's no timeline. It's just free for all for six days of offer stuff, have meetings, do whatever, whatever. Like, and players control that. They're just like, if I mean, Kyrie's in Japan right now. Like, I don't know, maybe he doesn't come back till yeah. the third. Yeah, totally. Like, it, it, it's just this weird sort of thing, yet every team's tied to it because, you know, if you're Brooklyn and you start getting some, like, Kyrie hasn't even talked, he's not even back in America yet. Like, I don't know, he's, we're not totally sure he's into it. So then do you just start going, like, wait a minute, Kemba, like, don't go to Boston, let's have a conversation. Like, there's all these different things that happen in this, like, off-season battle royale for six yeah. days. That's what the moratorium is. Well, and until those big names start falling or signing, it's it's hard to imagine the rest of it playing out. Like, wasn't it July 10th or 11th when LeBron announced, like, the letter came out that he was coming yeah. back to Cleveland? Mm-hmm. And, like, nothing happens until, or very little, I should say, happens until that first huge domino falls. Well, and, and KD's was, I think it was 4th of July, 2016. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But that was even a few days of, like, Slowness. What's happening yeah. is like, okay, like Timothy Moskov signed and like <laughs> you're just like waiting. Yep. And yeah, so it's it's fun. I think that will affect it. And it I think as it pertains to the Wolves, and we're gonna get into let's move away from Russell and move into some lower tier free agents. But I think the high end, like the Kawhis, the KDs, the Kembas, the all that will really affect the market for the mid-level guys, the nine million dollar a year guys, because if Kemba resigns in Charlotte. If Kawhi resigns in Toronto, if KD resigns in Golden State, there then there's three more open max slots, mm-hmm. which can also be repurposed into just a hundred million dollars of extra salary cap that's just out there in the league, which then has the corresponding reaction of yeah, Patrick Beverly is now like a sixteen million dollar a year player, but you throw Kawhi onto a cap space team like the Clippers, and you put. You put KD on a cap space team like the Nets, and you put Kemba on a cap space team like Brooklyn, like, boom, there goes away $100 million. Does that drive Patrick Beverly or that type of player down to nine? Like, mm-hmm. I, everyone's like saying, like, even Bobby Marks, like, who obviously knows way more than all of us do about this, he's like, yeah, well, like, I think Patrick Beverly is like a $14 million a year player. Well, no, it depends. Yeah. It depends. It's it's an economic environment. It's supply and demand. It, what he will be paid will be dependent on how other teams perceive their ability to use yeah. their cap space. Absolutely. And if, oh, that would be crazy. If, if Kawhi stays in Toronto, Kemba stays in Charlotte, and Katie stays in Golden State, that'd be wild. Because not only would the all of the open cap space around the league, all of those max cap spots around the league make prices go up, those teams and- wouldn't want to sign mid-level guys to four-year deals, three-year nope. deals. So the fact that they're going to want to keep that cap space clear for the summer of 2020 is going to drive up prices even more. Mm-hmm. If they're going to say, well, we'll give you a one-year deal, one year deal, well, then the player is going to say... Well, and the, does Boston react by like, oh, shoot, we didn't get Kemba, so now it's like plan C, which is like bringing back Marcus Morris, which there you go, he would have probably gotten like $15 million in the open market. Like, you're bringing that back onto your team and it's not going out and being filled up by LA's cap space or stuff like that. There's, there's this way where it could really it could really vacuum in cap space or it could blow it up. And, yeah, and if the Timberwolves are having to to fight with teams on deals that are getting steeper and steeper, it's going to be difficult for them because like the other teams that are pinched mm-hmm. for cap space, they just don't obviously have the flexibility. So, the mid-level. $9.2 million 
I guess D'Lo or not D'Lo, that's what they're going to have at their disposal. I guess for the sake of this, just think about it as no D'Lo. The, mm-hmm. the, the team as as it is. Um, I have changed my tune off of the notion that I think they will or should go for one $9 million guy and instead split that up in half. Partially because I do give... Now, the, wait, are you saying now you think they'll split it up? I think they'll split it up. Okay. Now. Because what do you... Give me give me some guys who you think are reasonable to give the full mid-level to. Well, I mean, we've talked about Patrick Beverly. If you're okay. staying with point card, there's like the Darren Collison. If you want to, you know, really pull on the nostalgia strings, there's the Ricky Rubios. Mm-hmm. But then, Okay, so that's point guard. Yep. Point guard, like, I'll give you... That's a spot where I think the Wolves might do the full nine. Yep. But I also think Beverly might be over that. I think Rubio's probably going to Indiana and unlikely to come here. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, maybe Carlson. Mm-hmm. But at the other positions, are you, are you going to give a full 9-2 to any wing? No, I, no, not after not you have to cover. No, like, no. And no, probably no big either unless it's just unless it's that perfect four. Well, who's that guy? Who is that guy? That's what I'm saying. why I'm thinking this yeah. is because I don't know who that guy is. Mm-mm. Is it Jermichael Green? I, I can't no, really. Not perfect. I mean, that's about as good as it gets. There's just not like a... It's hard to make a long list. You start moving into like the Jared Dudleys. Mm-hmm. And and I just think those guys are more like four or five million dollars. If you if you start like looking at them, it just Yeah, Dud yeah. And just as I've combed through it over and over and looking at like each position and free agents and this and that, and what I perceive their market values to be and the league, I mean it's my opinion, but like I don't think there's a lot of guys who are right on that nine million dollar line particularly at the point guard position where that's where I think the Wolves would be most likely to do so. It's why I was super into Beverly. I was like, yeah, like do that. That makes sense. Check. That's what you need. And he seems to be in your price range. But if he's not in your price range, like, I don't know. Like it's yeah. Darren Coulson. And maybe the, and maybe the Wolves would just rather use that MLE on a wing or a big because they can bring back Tyus Jones or even Derek Rose, maybe using bird rights. It, yeah, the, that factors into it too. Yeah. Like, it's not just, I don't know. I mean, I, we can rattle off some names, but if you're listening to this right now, like pull up the free agents. It's, I don't know. You go below Collison and you're like, okay, Corey Joseph. Well, Corey, I think Corey Joseph would be cool. It was interesting to see that Darren Wolfson tweeted about Ish Smith today about there being some interest from the Wolves and Ish Smith. Which is, just seems interesting to me because you've got Jeff Teague on the roster. You're, you're making all this noise about D'Angelo Russell. You've got both Derrick Rose and Tyus Jones who are still kind of in limbo about whether they're going to be back or not. It's just interesting to me that that's already out there. Yeah. It's a, maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe that's just how it goes. But it's early. I mean, it's but, it, but I mean, even before Wilson said that, I wrote something on three free agent point mm-hmm. guards for the Wolves. I put Ish Smith in there as D'Lo, Ish Smith, and Darren Collison. And it's... The Wolves, what I would assume is they're looking at contingency plans. Yep. And you look at the point guard market and the contingency plans in the three to $5 million range are like Ish Smith. And then you're like, it's not good. It's like Rajon Rondo, Devin Harris. Like it, I already said Corey Joseph like six times. Alfred Payton. Like there's not a lot of guys. I mean, and what the thing is with Ish Smith, that the reason I believe it and think it's out there because I believe they really do want to play a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Ish Smith's fast as heck. Like he's the he's one of the fastest players in the league, and he will make them play faster in the 18 minutes a game yeah, he would get off totally. the bench if it was behind behind Jeff Teague. But 
it's the bummer of it is I, I don't know. I don't I don't like any of those guys. I don't no. think, it's hard <laughs> to like really fall in love with any of the non full mid level. It's hard to players. fall in love with a point guard who's bad at three point shooting and defense. Like Ish Smith. He, but that's what you're getting. That's what yeah. you're paying for. Is you're getting one NBA, one above average NBA skill. When you're saying, "Hey, man, come here, play for three million dollars," mm-hmm. like that's a little bit more than you got from Aaron Brooks. But like that's the same sort of thinking. Yeah, you're paying for a minimum player. You're hoping for a minimum player. You're hoping you're getting one above average NBA skill for like three million, four million dollars, which I'm assuming will be Smith's market. You feel like you have one thing that they're good at. Yeah. And, and everything else stinks. Yeah. One thing that I, I don't think we've talked about much that is an interesting scenario to me is one where the front office isn't enamored by Tyus Jones. They don't love the idea of signing somebody who they presume will be their backup point guard to a long-term deal, especially mm-hmm. given all the other contracts that they have on their books. And, you know, Tyus Jones isn't really a shooter and he's he's an okay but not great defender. He's just he's not who they want. So then... They look at the, the the free agent market. You're saying that with you, you believe that? No, it, this is a, this is a hypothetical okay, that I think thought, is interesting. So then the wolves look at the free agent market and go, yeah, you know, Ish Smith, like Darren Collison goes elsewhere, whatever. Maybe they just pony up a big like full Emily offer for Derrick Rose for one year. I we haven't talked about Derrick Rose coming back much. That's because I have no idea how much he's going to get paid. Do you? Th- it's hard for me to imagine him getting more than the MLE. But no, I, that's no. just my guess. No, I. In the person in the league that I've talked to, they said I'd be surprised if it's over five, but he's really hard to tell. Hmm. Yeah, but even say like it's seven, maybe they'd maybe they'd rather give Derrick Rose one year seven million than give Tyus. But you don't even need to use the MLE to do that. Okay, true. Yeah. And if they trade Jeff Teague, then they can give him thirteen million bucks. Sure. But <laughs> yeah. like whatever. Right now yeah. they can. No, I think it's interesting. I think that could be a point guard path. Yeah, and I don't. I just don't think that's something we've talked about much. Which I think there's mm-hmm. like a, a real chance that this front office just doesn't like Tyus Jones. I, we just don't know. Like, there's a no, great no, chance no. they I, love that's, him too. That's, that's smart to bring it up, and I, I could like feel people hearing you say that and getting angry. But like, that's not you <laughs> saying that. Actually, I know you kind of like Tyus Jones, yeah. but it's that that is, I, I think, very a very realistic, you know, part of this. Deal as and if they if they were like if they really liked him you could have I mean you wouldn't have just sent him into restricted free agency as they are mm-hmm. you would negotiate a deal now before he got there because now as it stands today they're saying just just go get an offer yeah, and we'll decide if we want to match they're daring him they, they are and and they're daring another team who's really into Tyus Jones mm-hmm. to uh, put on a bunch of weird sort of things to that offer sheet like. If I'm, let's call it, let's say Phoenix, right? Like, we think that's a team who might want Tyus Jones, and mm-hmm. they they don't want to overpay for him, but they want to make it as annoying as possible for Minnesota. They're like, well, what we could do so they don't match is we could have it be a declining contract, front loaded, front loaded that goes eight seven six because mm-hmm. that would, the Wolves don't want to pay Tyus eight this year, and they could put a trade kicker on there. They could do. I mean, that's what happens in restricted free agency. It's like a, it's a weird like. Balancing screw, act. Yeah, well, and yeah. you're trying to you're trying to screw over the incumbent team. Like, I, I'm trying to even think of some off the top of my head. Like, it's like Alan Crab. The Alan Crab one yeah. was the super weird one, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, where you just set it up in a way we go, all right, we don't know exactly what they're going to match, but we have a guess, and let's try and make it just tricky enough so they so it fits what we would like to pay and is too much 
for them to agree to do it. And and by just sending Tyus into restricted free agency, you're saying, go ahead. Yeah. Like somebody try and screw us over. Bet. Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. So no, I think you're I think that's wise. And Derek Rose, it's I mean, Derek Rose is complicated. Most obvious sentence ever. But simply in this sense, it's complicated too because how many minutes a game can Derrick Rose play? Yeah. Even outside of style of play, like mm-hmm. you have a huge question mark there. Is he someone you want to be having play point guard with? Like he's cool with Cat and I think wants to make Cat better. I don't think he's the point guard who knows how to do that because just in a super simple sense, we run a high pick and roll with Derrick Rose and Carl Anthony Towns, and he is the way I put it in my article is he's he's been classically conditioned through 10 years in the NBA to be like. I'm option one in this situation. And that's just natural. I, I don't even, like, he could move to be better if he wasn't like that. But nobody, D'Angelo Russell is not option one in that situation. Cat is option one in that situation. And that's why I'm, if they are going to be a team who's playing with more pace and space and running more ball screen actions with Towns, which I believe they are, like, Derek Rose, I don't know about him in, in, in that sort of situation. Like, Derrick Rose's best sit- situation is what he was last year. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think you can certainly argue that the Wolves would ad- would benefit from the way that he can drive and collapse the defense because they just don't have, besides Andrew Wiggins, no dribblers, anybody else who can do that. But I also think then on the other hand is if you still see Derrick Rose as a combo guard, which I imagine most front offices would like they'd mm-hmm. they'd be interested in the fact that they could play him at the one or with another point guard but if you see him as a combo guard then you're really starting to like cross over the line into what at least I would imagine Jarrett Culver's role might be this year or Josh Kogi too or, yeah or Josh Kogi if he's a better dribbler all of a the sudden twos, yeah yeah but then it's just another interesting one but if they want to get a point guard on a one year deal who you know they at least have some confidence in then I would see Derrick Rose as a real possibility, especially because they have his bird rights. And and what that would mean or look like is then you could bring Derrick Rose back with those bird rights. Mm-hmm. As long, yep. And then you could use the majority of your mid-level exception on a stretch big mm-hmm. or some sort of big. Whereas if you don't use Derrick Rose and you go, all right, we're going to go out onto the market and use our mid-level on Darren Collison, then we can't go get that same stretch big it's opportunity cost of the situation and his yeah. his incumbency helps then you're probably and i haven't even looked at this to know for sure but then you're probably only using your bae like along with the mid-level exception mm-hmm. your biannual exception which you can only use every six which you can only use every other year and like we talked about last week or two weeks ago mm-hmm. like it's just not that much more than the minimum mm-hmm. like you just can't offer somebody that much more than they can get like from anyone and it's also <laughs> There's also just 16.3 or no, it's 15.6 million dollars up until you're at the cap or the luxury tax. Yep. So it's not just like, oh, it's you know, let's use the early bird rights, let's use the mid level, let's use the BAE. It's like everything, let's go wild. Like, no, there's exactly if you presume the luxury tax to be a line, there's also that yeah. upper limit to spending. And that's why I would assume if they bring back a Derek Rose or a Tyus Jones, they'll just use the mid level and they won't use the BAE and they'll sure. sit on it because otherwise it'll push them over the tax line. Let's um okay. We kind of did this with point cards, but I think that's just as an exercise putting some names out there that are interesting. Let's throw out names that are full mid-level guys that we would project to be an annual salary, nine point two million dollars around there, 
half mid-level guys, four or five, or minimum guys. Okay. Um, did you... I, uh, go ahead. Well, I, I think that uh, the half mid-level big guys are really interesting, and we talked about a couple of them before we started recording, but like the Nerlens Noel, the Anthony Tolliver, the Jared Dudleys of the world, mm-hmm. all three of them for different reasons are sure. really interesting to me. I... Um, for different reasons, like I imagine a Nerlens Noel, like how oh, can he play instead of or alongside Towns? Like that mm-hmm. could be a really interesting combination. Like a, a Jared Dudley, they could really use that veteran leadership, that three point shooting, and he's still a fine defender. He's like he's a a chubby combo big. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. That sounds good. And Anthony Tolver, we just saw last season. Every single time he got a chance mm-hmm. to play, he played solid on both ends of the floor. Like he's not a lockdown defender, but he's a smart one. And he's not gonna have to guard threes anymore. And not that he was yep. there was like the hope that he would be like that's not they got plenty of wings now. Six of the nine guys under contract right now are wings. And what's more, bird rights. Yep. So there's another one just like Derek Rose, where if you go the Anthony Tolliver route, you give yourself a early, little bit more yeah. early bird rights. You give yourself a little bit more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Oh no, because his early bird rights deal would be like but six he could still, million bucks. Yeah, but I think that's the half. Yeah, true. Maybe that's what he'll demand. But I have a feeling he might go for less than that. But who knows? Because his early it's 125% of previous mm-hmm. year's contract, right? Yeah. So five and a half million dollars or five point seven five he was last year. So yeah, it'd be like six and a half, seven million bucks. So maybe they wouldn't do that. But maybe they use a different path to giving him three or four. Yeah, like exactly. A million freaking how many times have I said path on this podcast? <laughs> like, um no, I'm I, I'm with you. I think those guys are interesting. Let's let's stick with the bigs. Um I think as we, we were just saying. I can't really see them going full MLE at 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 the big man position. I one scarcity of guys who I see to be there. Jermichael Green is is the one, and then it's like I, I don't know. I mean, Miritich is going to be above that. It's it's weird. It's just like it, it's pull it up. It's it's hard. It's hard to find guys who you're like who are discernibly better than Jared Dudley mm-hmm. that aren't fifty like Derek Favors. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's this weird gap that I think it just comes together, particularly at the big man position right now, where it's just it would there's not a lot that I think you would get for for nine million dollars. I don't see that as likely. Jamichael Green, I think, would he? I I wrote about him earlier this week too, and just like watched a watched like all of his shots um, after he was acquired by the Clippers, and like I mean, props to Doc Rivers. They was it fit. He fits so well there. And in the simple sense of just existing around the Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell pick and roll, like he spotted up, he hit 41% of his threes with the Clippers, but they also used him as the screener. And they also used him, him and Harrell together in double and double drag, double screen actions. That would, it's just like so hard to guard. You have, okay, Lou Williams, he's just awesome in reading a pick and roll and isolating on his own. You have Harrell, great rim roller. And now you have Jermichael Green, who's like a sweet popper. Uh, you check, check, check. Like that, yeah. that would. I mean, I think that. I think he earned himself some money there in those last twenty-three games with the Clippers, and in the playoffs, he was good in that Warriors series. Like, I think he he's up at that nine. He might even be over that. I, I don't know. It's 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 really it's really hard to read. But that's the only one where I'm like I would be like, okay, full mid level. Other than that. I think Noel, Dudley, Tolliver, like you said, for the half guys. And then um, the other two I put in would be minimum or close to minimum, like Robin Lopez, Markeith Morris. Yeah. Oh, 
Robin Lopez would be it'd be if you can get him for the minimum. I think that'd be a great minimum signing because then you kind of finally have like a bruising center who, in the right situation, you can. We were texting about this. I think he's more than a minimum guy, and you had Do a you? more minimum. Well, it, I, think I, he's, just, I think he's half. Maybe he is. Maybe because he has such longevity and he's proven it for so long. But I just think he's he's done such a disservice by the fact that he's a center. But we'll see. It just like you were saying, it depends on if this happens and this happens. Like, sure. however, the center market yeah, plays right. out. And yeah, it's, it's very possible. Fruitless that, disagreement between. Yeah, us. exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I. Yeah, maybe I'm just wrong. But I think Jamichael Green's interesting because I almost view him as I thought he was so bad with the Grizzlies last year before he went to LA that I was almost viewing him as a bit of a buy low mm-hmm. guy. But I don't. Maybe you're right that the way that should he have bought low on him at the deadline. Yeah. Well, I think we probably talked about that. But I think. Maybe you're right that the way that he improved with the Clippers and what he was able to show in the playoffs does like kind of make his value go back up to where it should be. But maybe not. Maybe teams are still sour about because he's kind of had two or three years where he's just been incredibly inconsistent, hurt all the time. Like teams might be hesitant about him. He, which I don't like get or agree with, he had terrible defensive metrics. Isn't that crazy? Because he always looks like a good defender or at least just a solid. He definitely guards Catwell. Well, he doesn't guard. Yeah, only I feel like Cat's the only guy he can defend well one on one. I get. It's just, and I mean, obviously, all the grains of salt on defensive metrics, but it's like, okay, yeah, all the grains of salt, but like, look at those lists and tell me that the guys at the top aren't a lot better than the guys at the bottom. <laughs> right. I mean, and it's it's. Jermichael Green's been in the league for five years, and four of the five he's been negative. This yeah. year, he was second to last in defensive RPM, of power forwards. Woof. Only above Marvin Bagley. That's bad. Yeah. Like I. I don't think like that surprises me. That doesn't match my eye test of obviously having watched him against the Wolves and then a handful of mm-hmm. other games that I did watch too. But I, I don't know. I think I think that's that's the path that pushes him down below the the nine million. But I, I, I don't know. Seven or eight would be my best guess for him. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, wings. We talked Wings about this. Are weird, man. It's just hard to imagine them going all out on a wing at this point. Like my Jeremy, boy Rodney Hood. Yeah, my boy Jeremy Lamb. <laughs> like those kind of guys will probably get the full MLE or maybe even a little bit more, you'd think. But I mean, it, you don't think so? No, I know. It's like, I don't know, Rodney Hood. I love Rodney Hood, but like, <laughs> I, uh, that would just, that just seems like one of those deals if you like, somebody gives. Rodney Hood or Jeremy Lamb, like three thirty-six. It's somebody's. We're yeah. talking about next offseason of like, oh, oh Jeremy Lamb shot thirty percent from three, <laughs> and they're trying to trade him. Like, I don't know. I'd it, almost rather give it to Jeremy Lamb because it seems like Rodney Hood's going to get paid off of like four postseason games, <laughs> just that which one happens. overtime. Yeah, it's like the Dikembe or uh, not Dikembe Johnny Flynn. No, I can't. Super remember tall, super short. Who I'm thinking of? But anyways, I mean, I think that the like the minimum and half of the MLE guys that we talked about, like Darius Miller and Alec Burks, mm-hmm. are more interesting for a Wolves team to bring them in and compete with someone like Kata Bates-Diop and compete with someone like Cam Reynolds. And mm-hmm. They're better than them. Like yeah. Darius Miller, it's a nice player. He is, And Darius Miller, for those unfamiliar, like he's, again, we talked about this, when, it's, when you're half mid-level guy, you're getting one for sure skill, and Darius Miller is a flamethrower as a shooter. Like, yeah. He and he's huge. Yep, like or he's a big wing. Yep, um, that doesn't do much else. Led the Pelicans in three point makes and three point attempts last year. Wow, oh, interesting. Yeah, Alec Burks. I've always I, before the injuries, 
when when he was in Utah, it was like this looks like a player who could it at worst in a second unit be the guy you I don't know, he was like Karis Laverde. Mm-hmm. Like he he was, and then he has not got back on his feet whatsoever um in any of the other stops, but isn't that kind of the guy you want to like roll the dice on? Yeah. I, I think he would be, I think he'd be really interesting if that's again in the three, four million dollar range. And then um, the minimum one that I have is interesting is like, well, first, just with these wings, the Wolves have six wings now under contract. And the only one who's over 24 years old is Robert Covington. And they seem to plan to play him at the four. Right. Like it's, it's a really, um, an experienced group. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you're like, okay, we have a lot of wings, but could kind of use an adult. Yeah. Um, which I, I was going to bring up Jake Lehman, isn't that? But like, you, you kind of, I think if they do invest in the wing I, and it's for more than the minimum, I think you want to get a guy who you feel like low ceiling, high floor. Yeah. That, that type of guy. Like, totally. We know we're going to get this out of him. I, yeah, and Lehman, when you're talking about minimum guys, they're just not going to be that good, especially wings on the minimum because wings are so valuable in general. Yeah. I feel like I always want Jake Lehman to be better than he is. I think he's like the most inconsistent player of all time. It seems like every other Blazers game I watch, like he's awesome. Mm-hmm. And every other one, he's completely unplayable. Absolutely. But my minimum wing, even though he's more of a big, is Luol Deng. I think sure. as someone yeah. that you can bring back, I don't think that he'll – garner more than the minimum he almost just feels better than all those guys that even yeah. said we're above the minimum like even just playing them at the three if you have to sure just and i think there's there's value that's an adult in the room yeah it's a guy who's familiar and all signs to point really like all signs point to him really liking ryan mm-hmm. and there being a relationship there like yeah i i i think so i mean I'm almost kind of separately looking at... Yeah, we were talking about outsiders. Yeah, outsiders versus insiders, but yeah, like... But Dan Covington Towns is your 3-4-5 in a given lineup? Like, yeah. Sounds good to me. No, or at least, like, let's see what it does. I, I'm No, I'm I'm with you. It's just... I, I do want them to address shooting as well mm-hmm. and being able to have lineups where you're not just starving for it because for the things that Luol Deng's good at, it's, shooting is not one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, he... From... Statistically, and I think you just watch him shoot. It's not. Yeah, that's not what he's best at. No. Um. Yeah. Okay. Then point guards, we kind of hit on those. Collison was the one I wrote about. I think he's really interesting and really a possibility. So let's dwell on him for a second. Led the league in three point shooting two years ago. Then this past season was over forty yet again. Not a huge volume on those. But you'll take forty, like that's yeah. That, that would for sure be for sure be helpful. And then when I was looking into him, and you know, just watching assists and makes and stuff like that, like good Darren Collison is good for, on like all three levels. Yep. Um, and he 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 shot fifty percent from the mid range, and those were like, and the stat was seventy five percent of those were created on his own off the dribble mid range shots that he shot fifty percent on. Like that is that's an impressive output there. And then as he gets to the next level, the the rim, he's he's got some good drop off capabilities. Had a synergy with Miles Turner mm-hmm. that you can you know extend to being like that would work with Cat. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like similar to Jeff Teague, but smaller and more consistent. Yeah. When you said uh, like Darren Collison when he's hot is really good um, or so whatever. 
that's what I was, and I think I'm higher on Jeff Teague, actually much higher on Jeff well, Teague than like his salary is higher too. <laughs> that, but like compared to the general Timberwolves landscape, I like Jeff Teague. You can say, but me. I think I think I've tried to trade Jeff Teague on like 14 straight. <laughs> I want to trade him too, but I still think he's a good player. But I think that Darren Collison, when he's on, is like what you wish Jeff Teague was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wrote four words. Uh, my notes under Darren Collison's name and the forwards are, yeah, awesome, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) I really like Darren Collison's game. I think that beyond the fact that he's he's a good shooter, he's a solid defender, and he can facilitate. Like, it's it's easy for me to imagine him running a pick and roll with Cat. Like, he does all of that while being a a pretty low-usage player. Like, he's a bit of a Patrick Beverly light. Only thing I would push back on there is solid defender. I think he looked more solid because Indiana was a very good team scheme defensively. He's just small. That yeah, he is. Carlson's very small. a lot smaller than Teague. Yep. And height and girth. Like Teague's pretty I mean, he's he doesn't yeah. necessarily use that strength all the time, but he's he's a, a big dude. Totally. Like a big small dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fair pushback. Um yeah, okay. And then Ish Smith was there. I don't know. It, one that I wrote about him, I'm now even lower. Like he's never shot over thirty four percent from three any season in his career. Oof. He, yeah, that's bad. Career 30 30.2% Oof. from deep. Not I mean it, it's you're you're paying you're paying for a guy to take your second unit and be like, "Hey, come run with me." Mm-hmm. This is what we're going to do. And he's good at that. He's good at that. He's crafty and a, a finisher around the rim given his size, but you're not getting defense there either. Even even definitely worse than Collison. I think he I looked it up in the last 2 years, he was like 67th and 75th in defensive RPM. And that's a trend for his whole career. Out of like 75 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's out of like 100. There's way more point guards in that database for some reason. True. Also, <laughs> this is stupid, but if you go to ESPN's Real Plus Minus, all of the Atlanta Hawks, all of them are point guards. <laughs> Wait, like every all single one? <laughs> Miles Plumley, Dwayne Dedman. That's funny. There's Something's <laughs> wrong. <there>. So. <laughs> I, again, this is a, that's why somebody listening to this is like, this is why these stats are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's 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 something wrong there. I'm sure nobody from ESPN is listening. These are to why this. these stats are stupid. But like Robert Covington has like <laughs> led the league in. DRPM. But they're hu- But I'm a huge Tyus Jones yeah. guy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Do you know he was second in defensive RPM last year? Um, yeah. Uh, and then I p- minimum point guard is gross. It's really gross. Do you think, and you, TJ McConnell? I just put it down because I we needed, I had, it was blank. Do you think, I could see a world where he gets more than the minimum. I mean, there are a lot of point guards that are free agents, so it's like, it's hard to tell. You'd rather, I, I personally would rather have Tyus Jones, but. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, but I could see him getting more than the minimum. He's just a young guy. He's always had like a positive aura around him. Like, totally. It seems like around the league players really like but him. But are you, are you going to. Is anybody going to sign TJ McConnell to be their number two point guard and has to play, then has to be the starter when the main guy goes down? And No. Yeah, I mean, you'd be in a bad spot. I just think he's a, That's a, good a third point. point guard, which means your minimum or like... Slightly more. Three maximum, yeah. right? Like, I don't know. Uh, he would... He would really need to sell himself to be something mm-hmm. beyond that. But, like, I don't know, some of the other guys, like Shabazz Napier, I think he'll probably end up being waived in the Kyrie, Kevin Durant thing. I, he was, I mean, he was really interesting in Portland two years ago when they, they played him, CJ, and Dame all together a lot. Yeah. It was really successful. Um, I, remember, I remember really liking that. He's 
a more diverse player than you know than you would think. He's the LeBron stamp of approval too. Remember, he was LeBron's guy coming into the draft. I don't remember that? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, I remember that. How about LeBron switching up his number? That's crazy. You think that he Is did that so that AD would drop the four million dollar trade kicker? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe you never know. Four. Okay, I got one for you. On, on the minimum, would you rather have TJ McConnell or Jared Bayless? Oh God, TJ McConnell. Jared Bayless is not in the NBA next. You year. don't think so? Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. What? What's your okay? I mean, every okay, team t- needs three point guards, or you know. Okay, but what? I we believe in the idea that at the minimum, you are hoping you you have a assumption that that player is going to have one above average NBA skill. What is Jared Bayless's above average NBA skill? I don't think he has one. What would you say TJ McConnell's is? Trying. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, and, and 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 he's like. Two years ago in the playoffs was helpful. Like trying they, is a skill. Like that's it not, is. It's not I'm, a, I'm not. I'm. I'm kind of kidding, but I'm not yeah, kidding. Like, yeah. Jared Bayless is bad. Really bad. Really bad. Like Jared, I mean, that's he. He was really bad at basketball for the Timberwolves last season, and mm-hmm. and to make matters worse, he thinks he's good at basketball, mm-hmm. and that's. I wouldn't sign that to be the third player. On me neither. He, he hasn't been around. T.J. McConnell way more of a chemistry guy. Sure. Yeah. I mean, okay. Bayless, though, what? Like, he was, um, he was like a, a vet in that locker room, and very much. I think he's like a very smart and, like, aware person. He he did. Him and Josh Okogie had a really good relationship. They read books together. Like they did like a little book club thing. That's what like, I noticed. But very little I was in the locker room is mm-hmm. he's a reader. He's just uh, sitting reading his book. I think he's way smarter than you and I yeah. combined as just a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, I, he's, he's over 30, you know, and he got, he got screwed in th- through a combination of injuries and what was going on in Philadelphia and, rem- and his contract almost like you can get screwed by a contract that's paying you too much. Like if Gorgie Jang was on a $5 million contract right now, he might, it, it just changes things. Like I think right. the fact that Jared Bayless is making $10 million made every fan in Philadelphia hate him mm-hmm. and want him to be traded. And like, that stinks. I, I remember that it was after one heat because he had a few games where he scored like over 15 points for the Wolves last year, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember just asking him in the media scrum, like, is he because he clearly played point guard that game, all the other point guards were hurt. And I was like, do you do you feel that this is your, your strongest position or kind of being more of a combo guard, a, a, a two guard? And he goes, and he was just like very direct. He was like, this is this point guard. I was like, okay, did I like offend you? So I went and talked to him afterwards. And, it, and I was like, hey, man, I didn't mean anything by that. Like, uh, you know, just asking. And he's yeah. like, no, no. It's like, I just don't even know how <laughs> that like idea started. He's like, I'm a, a point guard. And all he goes, that's what he said. He goes, that's why everything went wrong in Philadelphia is they drafted Markel. And like at practice, I was playing like the three. You know, that's what he said. Yeah. And he's like, I just got pushed so out of my position. He goes, if you like, go back and look at my best seasons as a, as a point guard. I don't know, we're totally on a Jared Bayless tangent, but... That's in, that's a, an interesting nugget to me. Yeah, it, it was, and it was... It says a lot about the NBA, because the NBA in general is probably forcing a lot of players into that, like a, a Jeff Teague or a, a Derek Rose more than anything mm-hmm. else. Like Because some teams have had a lot of success running two- and three-yard mm-hmm. lineups, the rest of the league takes notice. It's a copycat league. 
and then they pigeonhole their players yep. into those roles, and that could have an adverse effect on them. It, it could it did, both. It did for Jared. It could, sure. yeah, and, and he got hurt like three times. Yeah, and he's not very good. It can both doing something like that can both like help your team and hurt the player. Like mm. both of those two sure. things can be true. Yeah, like it wouldn't have been any good for Philadelphia to have had him be their fourth point guard. No, like you're never gonna play. Yeah, exactly. So, like, we we're paying you ten million dollars. We got to try and do something here. Yeah. Like, um. Okay, end of Jared Bayless. Uh, okay, uh, I think coming up at an hour, close to. Do you have anything just big picture? We talked about the whole, I, I think it's really interesting, the, the salary cap and how where the, the high-end guys land will affect the market in a, a big way. But beyond that, is there anything you're like really keeping your eye on as far as there's a million things. Yeah, keeping my eye on the wolves, obviously, and what, good, what, that's a good idea. <laughs> and what all of the the max caliber free agents end up doing. One thing that my mind just keeps coming back to that is so interesting to me is to think about the fact that the New York Knicks, the Brooklyn Nets, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Los Angeles Clippers all have max cap space in a year when there are a ton of free agents. Like if you're, how often? In the last 10, 15 years, I don't know the answer to this. Has that, has that been the case where if you're a player, you could just go to any of those coastal <laughs> cities, any of those big market teams that you want? Like, that's just really interesting to me that it all worked well, out that way. It ties into the whole, like, yeah, the, I don't know if it's the human element of the, the personal preference sort yeah. of deal. Be, because you can get your money wherever, kind of. And mm-hmm. yeah, that, I don't know. It also kind of feels like the league is moving away from prioritizing those sort of places because in the summertime, you know, you still you're able to travel a bunch. You can go like wherever you're not totally nailed into like you can come mm-hmm. sign with the Timberwolves. Doesn't mean you need to live but, in yeah. Minneapolis forever. Like if you don't like that, but because no matter what, when you're on the road, like, or during the year, you're on the road, like you're not really doing anything, not doing much during those eight months. It's like travel practice, this and that, like home apartment, you know, go on vacation for seven days over the all-star break. Mm-hmm. But then anyone is like free to do whatever for the off season. Yeah. And I think unless, that's an, unless you're in Minnesota where I guess <laughs> they want everyone back, which yeah. that's good too. And I think that's an, an even more salient point when those big market teams are struggling. Like when you look at it and mm-hmm. go, oh, I could go play for the shitty Lakers or I could go play for, you know, the, the bucks. Like when the Lakers were bad, have been bad until last year. That or was I one of go, Anthony Davis's teams member exactly, at the trade deadline. Yeah. Four teams, the Bucks. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I think it's easy to rationalize. You know, I can hop on a plane whenever I want and get out of here. I'll go play with the Bucks. But when the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Nets are all being run suavely and like they look like mm-hmm. good destinations on the basketball court, like God, it's got it's hard for other teams to compete with. Totally. That. I, I think too, and this is just something that I find interesting. It's going. It's interesting to me every time there's one of these. Like the the teams like Atlanta who are just like, yep, give us all your bad contracts. And they're like really, you know, playing the long game there. It's like a weird roster construction money ball sort of deal where I think I I I put it together. They're paying like Miles Plumley, Evan Turner, um, who are their other terrible Alan Crabb mm-hmm. and someone else, $63 million. And then there are six guys who are all appear to be pretty interesting young players, $23 million. And in 2020, ne- next year, they're going to have $80 million in cap space. The Hawks. Like, that's just, I don't know, when you when you play this game out a couple of different levels, it's 
like that's a it's cool to see the rebuilds coming and then mm-hmm. being like, oh yeah, we got we got Trey Young, we have DeAndre Hunter, yeah, like we have this. I mean, they need their they need their stars. They need to go out and do it. But there's well, we're we you not, got eighty million, like you can do that. We're not that far removed from that being the Timberwolves. I mean, they never yeah, were. And, yeah, they they were yeah. never coming up on eighty million, but they were either coming up on spending a lot of cap space before they re-signed Levine, Wiggins, and Towns. Getting the or, floor, getting to the cap floor was tough. Yeah, exactly. Or they were going to consolidate those assets for a star, which they mm-hmm. ended up doing. It was a great trade for Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're just not that far removed from the Wolves being like yeah. not too dissimilar from the Hawks. I guess that's why it's interesting to me because it can change so quickly. Totally. Like one offseason completely can change your trajectory. Like obviously the Raptors last year. The yeah. Raptors were bumping up against a cement ceiling mm-hmm. and then boom. Yeah. Change it for better. Yeah, for better or for worse. That's so true. The, yeah. the Wolves go get D'Angelo Russell this summer like – that changes it for the better, I, I think, in a general sense. Like, right. to go from where they were two years ago, you know, nice playoff team, to this year, like, really aggressive year, to, mm-hmm. to if you can pull off a big move to do something like that, like, it changes fast. Right. Well, uh, I think there will be maybe not changes to the Timberwolves, but big changes on the league by the next time we record. We're going to record right before, on the 3rd, right before 4th of July, before you're going away for 4th of July and I'm going to Vegas. Uh, for summer league, and I think it's also. I was thinking about this at summer league. Like, this was, I was there last year, and it's like eh, it's kind of hard to write about like summer league. You can write like a Josh Okogie story, yeah, a Kato story. And it's like I'm just gonna watch the games today. I'm not gonna write anything. Um, but free agency is gonna really be going. Like July 5th is the first summer league game. Mm. The Kevin Durant might not even be signed then. Call the media people there. Like, what if D'Angelo? If uh, D'Angelo also might get traded you know, when I'm there or, yeah. or for all the other writers, when, when they're there, like the, those teams are going to be completely in flux. And it's, it's a weird kind of conflation of those two things that are obviously free agency is so immediate in mm-hmm. like, we have made a move now to change our team immediately. Whereas all your summer league guys are, as Rosa said, you know, three or four year projects down the road. It, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like this weird yeah. inner intersection in the world. So the first I don't know, at least week of July, if not 10, 11, you said July 11th was when LeBron signed. It's something like that. Yeah. It'll be the now and the later will both be, I don't know. We're going to get to see, see Jarrett Culver play first. The first games against Darius Garland. Do you see that? In the I didn't see that, but oh, he, Culver's not going to play in that, is he? I know, yeah. but the Wolves are. Yeah. And we've already talked about raved about super sick Timberwolves summer league team <laughs> i'm actually excited i'm not, not yeah we can't close the podcast <laughs> with this again um yeah okay there we go end of podcast the off season is afoot and we'll see it's 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 not gonna be brandon rush cole aldrich and hmm. george hill or uh, oh, no, jordan hill jordan. jordan hill it's going to be exponentially more in- intriguing that and we'll we'll see what happens and I think next week, Will, you might have something to talk about. I hope so. And rate and review Dane's podcast. Yes, thank you. I was always good at that. They, <laughs> it's coming up. And and oh, what I was going to say, closing, uh, we are exactly on Saturday. We'll be at one year since you joined the podcast. Serious? Yeah. It cool. was July 29th of last year. So thanks to you and the podcast has really you know, gained a following and attraction. It's cool to um, I just know that a lot of people are listening and interacting with people on Twitter and desiring this weird nerdy <laughs> sort of 
the podcast we want to do. I've said that before, and that's yep. it's very um, affirming to have a vision for what you want the show to be, and for people to also for for you to want to be a part of that, and for other people to want to listen to it. So, thank you, and uh, thank everybody else. It's been for me. I did a couple pods before you, so we're a little up over a year for that, but it's has been beyond fun and beyond what I would have expected it to be. So, so yeah, rate and review us. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's keep it going. Yes. All right. Until next time, I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA. Charlie is at C. John's NBA. Is something coming out on Jared Culver. Mm-hmm. Maybe by the time you listen to this, I'll look into that. And whatever happens in free agency, you'll be able to find at zonecoverage.com. Until then, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.